Oh, we thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are our sure foundation. That heaven and earth will pass away, but your word, your truth, the good news of this gospel will never change. The truths, the realities, the life, the promises remain true just as they have been for thousands of years, God. They are a sure foundation. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for who you are, what you've done, and who you're going to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. I appreciate all those people who have uh, given themselves to help in worship and in music and in sound and in the projection, Lord, and projection ministry, and I just, I just thank you for them. And Um, this morning, sometimes stuff doesn't go right as planned, right? You can touch nothing, and nothing will change, and it doesn't do the same thing. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes that happens with sound systems, right, Ivan? Happens with sound system, Chris, right? Right? You think to yourself, this is the way it was when I left it. When I come back to it, it should be the way that I found it. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes things just change on you. They just, they twist on you. They turn on you. And the things that you had planned, they don't go that way. Do you ever make plans and they get broken? Anne's like, every day I'm in the office when Pastor Shane shows up. <laughs> Sometimes you, t- you take all this effort to put in plans, make all this effort to, to plan ahead, and you think to yourself, I'm, this is going to be perfect. I've got it all planned out. I've got it all figured out. It's just going to be, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and then I'm going to spend time with this person, and I'm going to do this, and then all of a sudden, it's like left-hand turn. Well, all of our plans are shot. All of our plans are done. I don't think any of us, I don't think, I don't think any of us can stand here and actually, or sit here, sorry. I don't think any of us can sit here and, and really think to ourselves, I am going to plan to change my plans, or I'm going to plan to break my plans, or I'm going to plan to, for something bad to happen, so I have to change my plans. No, I, I mean, I don't think that. I, the reason that I make plans is because I want those things to happen. But it doesn't always happen that way. Often it doesn't. Many times we make plans, and as Christians, even us, we make plans to, to do very well, to, to be good parents to be good providers, to be good Christians, to be good examples of Jesus Christ. We make plans to do that, and we think to ourselves, okay, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna get it this time. I'm gonna hit it out of the park. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to turn out perfect every time, does it? I mean, I'd like to say that it was. I mean, I, I, you know, this is, this is the reality of life. This is the reality, that, that plans change. Sometimes we try and do things, and we try and be perfect, and we're just not. I don't know how I don't know how baseball players do it. I mean, if you're if you're a baseball player, if you hit the ball three out of ten times, you're a good hitter. 
three out of ten. You're not even hitting the ball half the time. If you hit the ball and get a single three out of ten times, you're like, you're an amazing hitter. And I think to myself, man, for, for every, and I bet you that at, at every at bat, that that hitter is thinking to themselves, I'm going to get a hit. I'm, I'm going to hit it up. Like, no, one, no batter plans up and says, I'm going to strike out. I'm just going to miss this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it out to the second base. I'm going to get out. That's what I'm going for. They don't. They're planning to hit the ball. They're planning to hit a home run. They're planning to do whatever to get on base, but it doesn't work out that way. You know, I, I just, last weekend was like crazy sports weekend for me. It was like I had, um, I was in Hamilton for a basketball game on the Friday night, and then on Saturday, Saturday, I was here in Barrie and had three championship hockey games and then drove back to Hamilton for a couple more basketball games, stayed overnight in Hamilton, woke up early and drove here while my boys were playing more basketball games. And after the service, I left and went back to Hamilton to watch more basketball games. And I'm telling you, for all of those games, you're thinking to yourself, the plan is to win. The plan is to win. The plan is to, is to score. The plan is to do well. The plan is for your team to win. But it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes plans just change. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. And the reality of it is, is how, how are we as Christians, how, what are the promises of God? What does the Bible tell us about how we should respond? What should we do? Who should we be? Because what, how we respond to failure is a very defining moment. Wouldn't you agree? When people win, when people do it perfectly, it's time to celebrate. When your team wins, it's like, Woohoo! All right, here we go. All right, we're the winners. We're amazing. And I had some wins last weekend. There were some wins. But when you lose, and listen, it was Saturday night. I'm I'm coaching on the bench with the with the with the head coach, and my son is is playing basketball, and we are down by 14 points with three minutes to go in basketball. By 14 points, and. I said to the head coach, I said, we're going to press. We're playing basketball, which means you're doing a full court press, which means you're playing defense for the whole court. And the point of doing that is, is, is to, because the only way we were going to make back 14 points is if we stole the ball away from them. Because if they held on to the ball, they could just run out the clock. So I said, let's do it. He's like, okay. And so we came back from 14 points down to bringing it within one point. At one point, the other team actually scored on their own basket. And I thought it was destiny. I thought it was in the cards from down one point. So we're one point down. And the, the, one of the best guys on our team goes into the basket and he gets fouled. And if you know about basketball, if he gets fouled while shooting, he gets two shots. Two foul shots. So this kid, two foul shots. It's coming right down to the wire. It's like five seconds left. We're down by one. We've got two foul shots. This is like actually happened to me. Okay, actually not to me. It was my kids, but it was me. I'm living vicariously through my children right now. That's, that's what I'm doing. Two points left, and this kid throws up these two foul shots, and they both miss. And the kid at the end of the game is crying. 
He's crying because he felt like he left the team down. And as coaches, there's a moment, there's a moment in, in which how we respond is going to dictate how this ch- child feels. To be able to, and, but the only reason we came back from, all, from 14 points down is that that kid scored 10 of the points. So the only reason we had come back was because of this kid. We said to him, we said, look, we're just so proud of you. You just, the only reason we're here was because of you. Please don't feel bad that you missed those shots. You did such an amazing job. You did so good at that. Like, we're just so proud of you. Please, and then we went to the rest of the team. Please don't be upset. Please don't feel like you played bad. You played amazing to come back. You did such a good job. Probably the best game I've ever seen them play, but you know what? They lost that game. Sometimes you play your best and you lose. Sometimes you play your best and you lose. You know what? Sometimes as Christians, you play your best and you lose. And there are seasons. Thank God that there are seasons. Thank God that there are seasons. You know? Because you can come to the end of a season and you lose, but there's always next season. There's always next season. Church, there's always next season with Jesus. There's always next season. There's always the next chance. There's always the next year. There's always the next opportunity. That's Jesus. That's God. And he's amazing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I got to stop talking now and start preaching. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 24. And as you roll your eyes, just relax. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17 to 24. So I tell you this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and then separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to a sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught... with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. Would you pray with me this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring us closer to Jesus through your word, that you would make the, the word come alive And so it would speak to us and change us and reveal to us our hearts and help us to get closer to Jesus this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The first part of this verse talks about, it says, uh, don't be like the Gentiles. Now, Paul in Ephesians, the church in in Ephesus, this is where Paul actually spent a lot of his time. Of all the places that Paul stopped, Ephesus was the place that he stayed the longest. On his missionary journeys, he stayed in Ephesus. It was extremely pagan, uh, an extremely pagan city, uh, with with 
tons and tons of temples to other gods, Artemis and Diana, huge Greek gods. And so this was, this was like a, this was a, a, a strategic place to have a church. So Paul's speaking to this church, and it's not just made up of Jews, but it's made up of Jews and, and converted Gentiles to Judaism. So at this point, they're being converted to Judaism. So when he speaks to, when he's talking about Gentiles, he's not, pe- he's not talking to people who are non, uh, he's not talking to people who are like non-Jewish as far as how they were brought up. He's talking about people who aren't Christians, who haven't accepted the truth of God's word, who haven't accepted the truth of, of Christ. And so that, when he says Gentiles, he's not just saying non-Jews, he's talking about people who don't serve Jesus, who don't serve Christ. And he says, don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Every, every one of us, to some degree, have a, some, some hardness in us that needs to be broken. There's certain areas of our life, certain parts of our personality, certain parts of our character that uh, we've decided just to kind of let go and just say, okay, God, you can have all of me except that part. <laughs> the parts that we don't want to talk about, the parts that we, we're a little bit more ashamed of. And, and, and maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe, you know, everything's great with you. But for me, I know that there's definitely parts of my life that I... I I need to do better at, and I think to myself, I need to improve on, and I, I need to have better character here, I need to be more Christ-like, and, and what, what the Bible's trying to tell us, what Paul's trying to tell the, the people in Ephesus is that the people in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, they were returning to their old ways, they were, they were going back to what they used to do as before they served Christ, and thinking to themselves, well, you know, I, now that I'm serving Jesus, everything should be fine, but they were kind of returning to some old ways, and, and I can identify with that. I can identify with the reality of trying to serve Christ with all my heart and yet at times returning to, to some behaviors and habits and, and ideas and thinking that uh, are destructive and that are counter what the Bible has to say. And so what we have to do is realize that there are, there are, hard, parts, there are hard places in our hearts, there are hard places in our life that if, we don't, if we're not careful, that we will never realize that those things are actually hurting us, actually destroying us. And none of us are perfect, and, and I understand that. But the reality is, is that for most people who aren't serving Christ, they don't really know that they're hardened to the destructive behavior in their life. It's, been, it's a coping mechanism it's a, a defense mechanism that, that they employ in order to survive, in order to, to get along in life. There are people who are just angry all the time because they don't want to let people get close because they've been hurt. And so the way that they deal with that is just through anger, through frustration, through hate. There are some people that they don't want to deal with the realities of their life, and so they kind of goof off and joke around all the time, and so they're just never serious. And you're just like, wow, Pastor Shane, is that what you're dealing with? Maybe. <laughs> You'll never know. Because it's a defense mechanism. It's something they've, they've put in their life because they don't want to reveal this hard moments of their life. And we have to make sure that there may be things that we keep doing the same over and over that, that become destructive. You know, it's like being stuck in the snow. I got stuck in the snowbank with one of my kids and right outside my house. Right outside my house, I, I, I try to turn into my driveway and bam, into the snowbank. So here I am, stuck in the snowbank 
at the end of my driveway. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to just not, let's not throw anybody under the bus here, but let's, I'm trying to get to the, I'm at the end of my driveway. And so, you know, you know what you do when you get to the end of the driveway and you think to yourself, well, I really want to avoid getting out of the car. Right? Come on, you get stuck in the snowbank and you think to yourself, I got to be able to do this without shoveling the snow out from under my car. That's the first thought, isn't it? The first thought is thinking, I can do this. Okay, all I have to do is put it in forward, now put it in reverse. Now put it in forward and put it in reverse. I can rock the car out of the snowbank, and we rock back and forth. We're rocking back and forth until we finally come to the conclusion. This isn't working. Right? This isn't working. In fact, I'm just melting the snow with my tires and digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually, now I'm putting it in forward and not moving the car at all, putting it in backwards and not moving the car at all, and I am stuck. I am stuck. Church, there's people around us, there's people in this room who are stuck. They're stuck in a rut of life. They're stuck in a rut of making the same mistake over and over thinking to themselves, well, this just must be my life. This must just be the way it is. This must just be the reality that I'm just never going to be able to reconcile with my family. I am just never going to be able to overcome uh, this addiction in my life, I'm just not going to, this just must be who I am. There's people all around us who just have given themselves over into the reality that there's no way that I'm going to overcome this. And they give up, we get out of their car and just walk away from the car and just say, I'm not doing it. The truth is, is that that's not the end. That's not the end. And many of you know, you can look at me and say, I know, I've been there. I've been stuck in that rut and it's not the end. The reality is, is, that, is that we can have a fresh start and we can, it can be a new day. But this is, the, this is the human condition. This is the reality that, that all of us are in that we realize when things aren't going well, when things continue to not work out and not work out and not work out, there's something that needs to go on, on in our hearts. There's something we got to be Begin to listen to God. Begin to seek after God because I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you something needs to change. That whatever direction that you're looking in, that whatever action that you are doing at that moment, something needs to change. You're doing something wrong or there's some sort of The focus is wrong. You see, the reason that I wasn't being able to get my car out of the snow wasn't because I couldn't get it out. It's because I thought to myself, I'm going to do this the way I want to do it, and unless it works my way, I'm not getting out. I should be able to get out of the snowbank without getting out of my car. That's what I think. And there are people around us, there are us here in the room who think to ourselves, I should be able to overcome this doing it my way. And in truth, church, when we begin to have that feeling in our hearts, when we have convinced that of ourselves and our minds, this is when we've hardened our hearts towards God. 
These are the places we've hardened our hearts towards God because we've convinced ourselves that I know the way to do it. I know the way to live my life. I know how to get myself out of trouble. I know how to change the reality that I'm living in. And this is the way I know how to do it. And I know that it's right. Even though it's not working and we continue to fail, we convince ourselves this is the way. This is my way. And it's in those moments that our hearts become hard because we've decided that God has no part of this part of our life. We have to be careful because it leads us in the wrong direction. The second thing it tells us, verse 20 says, the however, it is not the way of life you have learned. That church, we need in all parts of our life We need to reference the power and the revolutionary power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of that truth that can change every part of our life. Every part of your life. The Holy Spirit can help you get through that, overcome that, be victorious in it. Everyone, and we need to release that to God And he says to ourselves, that is not the way you've learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him that according with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Put off your old self. Put it off. Means take it off. It's almost like a a pair of clothes. You you ever have a piece of clothing that you just don't want to get rid of because it's so comfortable but it looks like really ugly? Huh? Right? Some of the wives are saying, like, thinking to about their, their, their husbands right now. Like, that is a god-awful shirt. Like, what are you doing? That is awful. That is horrible. I apologize for what I just said. I shouldn't have said what I said, but I apologize for that. And, and we just... And we don't take it off. We keep it on. We think it's comfortable. It's good. It's okay. Nobody cares. But when everyone's looking at us, it's just like, whoa, what are you doing? We need to take that off. We need to take off that thing. And we can't, we can't think to ourselves, oh, well, no big deal. No big deal. It's not going to hurt me. It's no, no one's going to notice. People do notice. It, it's not good looking. It's not good. It's not good for any of us. And what the things that we've hardened our hearts against, a lot of times we try to convince ourselves that it's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anyone. It'll be fine. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. We've hardened our hearts towards God. So he says to put off our old self. And this is where a lot of times we never, get, we never get to this place. We never actually change our behaviors. Never actually change our behaviors. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. I mean, the old things need to pass away. Reject the past is reality. We've got this idea, and this is, listen, I know, this seems like a, I know this seems like a crazy concept, but we need to reject the past. And I know that there's a whole train of thought that would try and tell you and try and convince you, well, if you don't learn from the past, if you don't remember the past, then you're destined to repeat your future. Church, it's not in the Bible. 
And I'm not saying you shouldn't learn from your mistakes, but the very last thing you should be doing is looking backwards. You shouldn't be looking backwards. Because often when we look backwards, we look back at our failures, and what does that do? Does that encourage us to try again? Or does it discourage us to the point where we're just like, well, oh man, yeah, I remember how many times I blew it. Well, I'll probably just blow it again, so I'm just going to not do it. The Bible says to forget it. The Bible says to put off your old self. That old things are passed away. It's so funny because my children, I have four boys and we've been handing down clothes to them. Okay, we don't buy new clothes for our boys unless we have to. Okay, because we have four of them. And they're all boys, so they all have worn the same clothes. And so there's this shirt that Riker is wearing that he can barely get over his head because the hole is too small for his head. And clearly, this shirt is too small for him, but every boy has worn it. And it it has stood the test of time, this shirt. And um, there are hardly any stains on it, and there aren't hardly any holes, but it just doesn't fit. But so now when we see our children, because we have so many hand-me-downs, when we see our children and and holes come in their clothes, Becky has decided when she sees holes in her clothes, she's just going to rip it. So she's decided, and she starts to see, she says, there's a hole in their shirt. She's just like, well, this is, this is there's a hole in your shirt. Rah! <laughs> Never to be worn again. And there's something therapeutic about there, isn't there? There's something, there's something that feels good about ripping that. There's a hole in it. Ah! And this is what we need to do with our past. Because some of us are wearing the past. We've got those clothes in our drawer. Huh? We've got those mistakes in our drawer. We think to ourselves, I know that there's a rip. I know that there's a tear. I know that there's a stain on this shirt, but it feels so good. And we've got these mistakes in our drawer. And I'm telling you right now, you need to take those things. You need to take those clothes. You need to take those things and rip them apart, never to be worn again. Never to be worn again, because there's no way you should ever put that on again. We need to put off the old self. We need to forget the former things. Yes, we need to learn from our mistakes, but that doesn't mean that we should should keep them around. So the next part of the verse says that we need to put on our new self. We have to have a new attitude. Ezekiel is talking, is, is a prophet from the Old Testament, and he's talking to the people of Israel. And he's, he's prophesying about the days when Jesus will come. He's prophesying about the days when the Spirit will pour out upon all flesh. And he says, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decree and be careful to obey my regulations. Jeremiah 31, 
talking about what we even celebrated this morning, about a new covenant between God and man. He says, the days are coming, Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34, sorry, 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant, when the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their, with their ancestors, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more, no more, no more. I will remember their sins no more. Put, take off the old self and put on a new self. Put on a new person. Anyone who's in Christ, they're a new creation. So it's time to reject what's happened in the past. It's time to look back on the past and say, okay, I made some mistakes. But that cannot dictate what my future is. Because that is not the promise of Christ. We've been talking about the promises of God. We've been talking about the good news of the gospel. And this is one of them. That no matter what you are up until this point, when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new person. You're absolutely new. So you don't have to rely on what's happened in the past to be the person you are going to be in the future. Because it's not by might or by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. This is the way we function. This is the way we go forward. Not based on our past experiences, but by the spirit of God that empowers us right now to go forward. Yes, you can be a new person. Yes, you can start again. It means you have to change your tactics. It means you've got to change the stuff that you were doing before. It's, it's, it, it, it does mean that you do have to change. When you take off your former self, when you put off your old self, it means that you can't be that person anymore. It means whatever sort of mechanism you had in place in order to deal with that situation, you've got to reject that and by the power of the Holy Spirit of God to remind you of the Word of God in that moment be able to say, okay, before... I used to react like this, but now, but now, now I've got the Spirit of God reminding me of the truth of the gospel. So before, when something bad would happen to me, I could go and lose myself in addiction. I could go and lose myself in those things. But now, I don't have to do that. That's my old self. That's not me anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new creation. I don't have to resolve my issues through that anymore. I don't have to lose myself in the television every time something bad happens to me. Now, I can move on. Now, I can read God's word. I can listen to some music. I can spend time with my family. I can re-engage in relationships without having to lose myself, without having to destroy the situation that I'm in. Because I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. I'm a brand new man. There's an old Christian song that goes like that. I would sing it for you, but I don't know. 
Some of you know it, right? I'm a new creation. Sing with me, Celeste. I'm a brand, you can't sing this part because it says I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away, I am born again. I was looking for a song like this and they just don't have them. Except for this one that we sang this morning. You can snap your fingers to it though. <laughs> oh yeah, Celeste, here we go. I love the banter, it's good. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new person. You're a brand new person. So just, just for a moment, just for a moment, forget all the mistakes you've ever made. Well, I don't know, how do I do that? That's really tough. How do I just decide to forget? Well, in the process of you making a decision, you can't take that into account. In the process of you making a decision in your life, you can't take into that account. As soon as your mind begins to reference what's happened in the past, you've got to delete it. You've got to speak against it. And sometimes you even need to talk to yourself. What do you mean? <laughs> sometimes you even need to speak to yourself. You need to talk to yourself. No, that's not me anymore. That's a lie. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. I used to do it that way, but I don't do that way anymore. I follow Christ. I follow his word. I am led by his spirit. Some of you and, some of, and me myself, some of us have convinced of ourselves and the people around us that they will never change, that you will never change, that there are certain things that you do and that I do and that we think to ourselves, that is never going to change. I am never going to be able to overcome that. It's time to change the way we think. It is time to change the way we believe because the power of the gospel of salvation can change anything, anyone, at any time, in any moment. So it's time to explode that. People do change by the power of the gospel. They can walk the line, they can cross the line from darkness to light and step in to the very person that God has called them to be. And I'm telling you that it happens. It's happened for you. It's happened for me. We just have to continue to believe it. And the extraordinary thing about it is that he keeps doing it over and over again. It's not limited to a one-time thing. It's not just one season of baseball. It's not just one season. If I don't accomplish this, then I'll never have the chance to do it again. He doesn't say that. It's an endless opportunity to start again. I was saying to the people this morning when we were praying, I was asking myself, God, why did you let us fall asleep? Why do we even sleep? Some of you who love sleep are just like, because it's a blessing. <laughs> but I've always thought to my, like, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, why? God could have created us to be awake all day long. You know that? Pardon? So would my children, yes. God, God could have created us to just stay awake. But for some reason, he made for us to sleep. Because there's something about ending and then starting. You can't just stay up. 
I know some small children want you to just stay up. But if you, honestly, if you don't get sleep, you'll die. Your body can't handle it. God has created us in such a way that you have to go to sleep, that consciousness comes to an end and then starts again. The way he has created us is so that we would end and start the next day. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Day by day. Not month by month. Not year by year. Day by day. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 says, Because the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There's more old songs in there. Great is your faithfulness. It's not just one start. It's not just one do-over. It's not just one moment that we can have a fresh start. I don't know how many fresh starts that you have had, but you can have another one today. You can start again today. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you can start again tomorrow. Because that is the grace of God. That is the blessing of his promise. That no, how, may, how many times you've started. How many times you started and failed. You can start again. Praise the Lord, man. Praise the Lord. And the, the, amazing, the amazing reality to that is that Christ doesn't, he doesn't seem to get discouraged by that. His love is unwavering. It's not as though Christ accepts us back into his arms with his, with his arms folded. It's not, it's not as though we're crawling back to him and God's just like, here we go again. Okay, I'll give you grace, but just one more time. He doesn't. His arms are open. His arms open. Waiting for you to run back into them. Waiting for me to return. Not just once, but over and over again. I thank God that there are seasons, that there are cycles to life. I thank God that we have a chance to start again each and every day. That is the way he's created the world for us to have a chance to start again. A new season, a new start where you have no record. You're zero and zero. No wins, no losses. The possibilities are endless. Church, look at me. The possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless in your life. When you start fresh and you think to yourself, oh no, I've made too many mistakes. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. The possibilities are endless.
The opportunities are still available for you and for me to do great things for God, to have great relationships in our life, to go forward in Jesus' name. The possibilities are endless because we're a new creation, because we're starting again. And while there's no baseball team that goes 162 and 0, no football team hardly ever that goes 16 and 0, there's a new opportunity with the, the slate wiped clean. And that church is good news. That church is good news. That the promises of God are true. And this is one of those promises that the people around us, they need to know. They need to understand and just say, look, God just keeps says, keep coming. And that every time he celebrates when you come back to him. Sometimes we get this notion. Sometimes we get this notion of God folding his arms after a while and saying, oh, here we go again. But I believe. What the Bible says, that when a sinner repents, all heaven rejoices. All heaven rejoices. When I repent and I come back to God, all heaven rejoices. Because once I was lost, now I'm found. The world needs to know this. The world needs to know that God has his arms open to them, and no matter how many times they've failed, no matter how many times they've made a mistake, no matter how many times they've tried out God and, and walked away from him, that he is still there, arms open wide. And the moment they come running to him is not the moment he points in their face and says, this is what you did wrong, you better not do it again. His arms are just open, and he celebrates. celebrates. We're going to close in a minute. And we're going to close off with celebrating. Because you know what? You can start with Jesus. The amazing thing about the gospel is that it says that I'm going to put my word in their hearts. I'm going to put my spirit in them. And no longer do we have to say know the Lord. They'll just know the Lord. You don't have to come up here to give your life to Jesus. You don't have to start fresh in this moment, right this moment. I think you should. But you can do it in the car on the way home. When you go home, you can do it in your bedroom. You can do it at work. You can start fresh. You can start new. And so I, I, I think this morning we just need to celebrate the promise of God that we can start fresh. We can start new. We're going to sing that song, God's Great Dance Floor, again. Because that's what it's all about. This is... This is not, to me, this isn't a cheesy song. When I heard Chris Tomlin explain this on YouTube, why he wrote this song, I began to cry. I began to be overwhelmed by Christ's love. And that we don't celebrate this often enough. Amen? Why don't you stand and ask the worship team to come back. I got
this morning, listen, before you go, we're going to end with this song, and I want to close with it. Uh, but I've got a little something for you before you go. Um, I think I have enough, but this morning I bought everybody a, uh, an air freshener for their, card, for their car. Some of them are in the shape of sunglasses or little boots and, uh, or little shoes. Some of them are in the shape of little Crocs. And everybody gets one this morning. Every car gets one this morning because I want you to be reminded that at every moment, we can start fresh. To the star where you found me, back to your heart. Take me, this is all I can bring. You never stop loving us, no matter how far we run. You never give up on Back to the start God is freedom Here I feel your heart I'm you Take me This is all